Oh, I shouldn't press pause straight away. Okay, we're on. Oh, we're on. There we are. Oh, Cheers. Oh, cheers. I'm Kano. I'm Andy. And welcome to Diplomacy the podcast about all things diplomacy. That's right. Um, I think the last time around we said we've been particularly poor at getting these podcasts out, and uh, we will definitely get better. And then, of course, we just made it even worse by taking like about four or five weeks between episodes. Yeah. It can't be, it's just life. Like seriously got in the way of both of us. Well, yes. I mean, as I said to you off tape, um, I got absolutely floored by this horrible cold. Yeah, there's a terrible flu going around. Well, it's me. I was tested. I was tested for COVID, influenza A, influenza B, respiratory something or other syndrome, all these other bizarre things, and all came back negative, 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 negative. And it's just like it's just a fucking cold. But it's like the worst cold. And look, I had COVID back in Easter. And I have heard a number of people who have subsequently had COVID and then just got like a normal cold and just this system is just like shit and just... It's you know. worse than normal. Yeah, like yeah, we actually caught up uh, last episode when I thought I was over it. I was like, I think I had a cold for like about a week. Yeah. And I went, feeling good. And then I just went downhill within about three, two or three days after we caught up. Sounds horrible. Whether it was the same thing and I just didn't shake it or I picked up a second bug. But I was just... Literally, like I couldn't stand for more than five minutes. I just had to sit down the whole time. I was coughing like a dog. I've actually never seen dogs cough, but anyway, it's the same. Um, you know, horrible nasal congestion, and oh, it was just yeah. Why do they say dog like, coughing like a dog? I don't know. It's a weird dog, Dogs bark, they don't cough. It's a it is a weird sound. Such a strange sound. I look at the uh, entomology of, of the phrase, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. Well, I'm Kana. And I'm Ambi. We didn't say that. Yes, we did at the start. We didn't. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Man, this is what happens when you come late. I've already had a pint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, sorry. And again, work today has just been bang, 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 bang the whole day. And I was running late because of fucking meetings. And even then, I've still got work to probably catch up on oh. tonight. But... Nah. There's always work. There's always work. That's, that's, that's why they right. call it work. <laughs> it's stuff, so it's just work. Anyway, yeah. anyway. So well, um, we're drinking in Milton, uh, yes. which is a slightly different haunt. We have come to Milton a couple of times. Yeah, just across the road of Scratch Bar, which we, we drank out, I think, about three, four months ago. Yes. Um, and we have drunk down the road at, at the brewery. brewery. Yep. Yep. Um, not, not the Forex Brewery. But no. what was the? Is it the atheist? Mate, a, a, a man, a man. It's, it's like a. It's one of those. Aether. Aether. Yeah, it's yeah, got the, the that 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 old old Anglo-Saxon A and E together. Yeah, the A. E. A. Like Ethel, 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 Actually, of all things, I'm reading a book about um, King Alfred. Oh. And it's got all the Ethel Reds and. Well, Athel stands Athel and stands and Athel Burts and Willa Burts and Wilden. Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. So, oh, the air. Uh, so this is, is this a fiction or non-fiction? Uh, this one's a fiction, um, and I'm kind of reading a non-fiction to the side, but the um, because it's just such a great story by Bernard Cornwell. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they made a TV show out of it. 
Um, I'm sure they do that, sure. It's, uh, it's basically traces the life of a, you know, an invented character yep. who's born, um, you know, just before the big invasions of Wessex. Yep. Um, so it starts around the By the Danes? Of, yeah, so, yep. I mean, they'd already started conquering parts of England, so it sort of starts with the lives of um, Ivar the Boneless and... Um, you know, Guthrud and you know, all of these real characters. Yep. Um, yeah, and, and long story short, the, the, the invented characters sort of traded in between the two opposing um, sides of the war so that you'd get uh, a narrative of the more interesting aspects that are happening at that period. Yep, yep. You know, it's just it's very cleverly done how it's how it's written. Bernard Cornwell's a great writer. I've um, I think I started reading one of his books, which was I think I want to call it the Winter King, but it was like King Arthur. Yeah, it was like the yeah. first one in the whole. Arthur. But the thing is, I really want to read Bernard Cornwell, but I want to do it like typical buddy anal ambi style <laughs> like from the earliest stuff like from the whole you know Arthurian period to then go up through the Anglo-Saxon period and then onwards you know what I mean well okay yes yeah, so I, know, I know there's actually this totally yeah, separate storyline yeah, anyway. so you'd have to start off with the one he wrote about Stonehenge which is a standalone book and then you'd move on to the then you'd move on to the King Arthur's yep one so that's a trilogy and then you'd move on to the Arthur ones, which is like ten books of them now, right. maybe more. I don't know. Um, and then you would read um, Agincourt. Oh yes, yep. Agincourt. Yep. And then you would read Henry the Fifth. Yeah. Then you would read the Harlequin trilogy, which um, set around just exactly like, so okay. crazy happened after Agincourt. So yep. this one set around crazy. Moving forward, and then you'd have to go to sharp sharps, the sharp stuff, yeah. Stuff. Anyway, anyway, for any of those who are people who don't who don't kind of read this shit, they're probably going, "Fuck!" It's Wish I had a fast forward button. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, so we are in Milton. As I don't know how we kind of went from what we were talking about onto uh, King Arthur, and I oh know because of Aether, the, the Aether, the A-E, yeah. But we're drinking at a bar um, called Mongrel. So uh, yes. what they kind of I think what they call themselves is they're a they're called um, a bitchin. A bitchin bar. Yeah. So it's um, bar, yeah. kitchen, bitchin. Ah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And they're mongrels. They're mongrels. Got it. Got it. I'm sure drinking a rad rad beer. Right. Which is actually looks like a, a, a red ale to me. Which is probably what it is. Let me just quickly check. I took a photo of the taps. On my phone. I just want to see who actually makes the rad rad beer. It's by Seeker Brewery. 4.2 alcoholic volume. Yep. And I am having the um, Aether, Aether Brewing um, oh, yeah. Hop Skip and the Jump. India Pale Ale. Okay. 
and I IPA. I like this. This is a really good opening. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so describe the opening. Oh, I reckon it's like it's it's a very audacious, cheeky turkey that's got away with murder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So got into the Black Sea. Yeah. Well, it's got it's either a got into the Black Sea, uh-huh. unopposed. Or maybe you just kind of con somebody and you kind of slipped in Smyrna into Armenia at the same time. <laughs> they, it's they, something like that. Yeah, you, you convinced Russia to a northern offensive and then moved Black Sea and Armenia. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it's something even like more audacious, like you've um, uh, you've moved in, in fall, you've moved Bulgaria into Greece and got away with it because you've negotiated something with um, it's Austria because he's in a fight with Italy already. Or you've kind of somehow rather conned him and you slipped into Serbia whilst he <laughs> led him into Greece. Well, it's just like it's it's a great beer. It's okay. a nice beer. All right. All right. So I know what you're going to drink next. Uh, no, because I only have one beer at a time. Because oh, yeah. I was like, getting gassy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I, mine's a good drop. Suits the uh, suits the mood fantastically, actually. Um, I would say that as a German, you're. Um, allied with a strong Russian player and have on the horizons a good working relationship with France and you're about to embark on an invasion of England. That yeah. sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a nice oh, well, yeah. Cheers. cheers. So, um, our interview today yeah. Um, is with a player that I recently played a, a game with. Yes. So I think it was an, is it an Imperial game I played? Uh, World War Four was it not? Uh, yep, World War Four. World War Four yep. Sea Lakes came. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in this game, um, which was a global, obviously it's just a World War Four game, uh, it was a um, uh, rule book press. What, what does that mean for our listeners? may not know what rulebook press means. What's the restrictions? What's the difference? Right, so imagine, it's no different, okay, rulebook press is like what you see if you go to a, a, a tournament. Okay. So, you know, it's, uh, it's you, you've kind of been allocated your country, it's springtime, it's okay, the clock started, go off and start talking to people. Cool. Okay, okay yep. And um, you've gone off and you've spoken to people, and I don't know, there's a, I don't know. Well, at some point in time, there'll be a retreat, or at some point in time, you'll have your build phones. Yep. And you're not talking to people then. No, you're just writing your orders. You're just writing your orders. Yeah. And you've got to put it in the hat. You're not allowed to talk to anyone during those. That's real book press. press. Ah, so it's exactly the same thing, but online. You can talk during spring. You can talk during fall. Yep. But we're doing retreats and during builds. You physically can't communicate, won't let you. Well, that's good. Is it a fun way to does it change the dynamics on an online game? Oh, it definitely does. Yeah. So look, it is it is more it is more true to the, yeah, the original yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, being Okay. Yeah. But there is something I think within some of the online community which appreciates that ability to kind of get an outcome at the end of fall particularly. You see what's happened and you go, Oh shit, someone stabbed somebody. I need to talk to my ally around that, or maybe my ally just stabbed me, who fucking knows. <laughs> and you just can't. <laughs> yeah, you want to um yeah, you want to negotiate where the builds are, the best builds, and exactly. coordinate your builds. Yes, exactly, and you yep. can't. So, um, <laughs> I think some online players would actually, they wouldn't like rulebook press. Okay, I can see that, yeah. But, uh, and there were certain points of time in, in this particular game, I went, oh, I wish I had the ability to talk, but, yep. anyway. Oh, well, 
Yeah. I'm disadvantaged, but everyone else is disadvantaged at the same time. Equally disadvantaged. But okay. in this game, uh, which was a recent game that um, finished up probably about five, six weeks ago, um, I was playing as South Africa. <coughs> so um, in a World War Four game, there's how many players? Kano's like 20-something, 30-something? So of South Africa, and I allied literally from the beginning with Australia and Argentina. And we kind of said, you know what? Actually, I think I can't remember who said it first, but... How about we have a southern alliance? The idea being, um, there's nobody in Antarctica. Right. There's no. Penguins. So we don't have to worry about. That's right. Unlike that other, that other World line. War yeah. Nine or World Nine or whatever it is. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that backdoor. If we're all actually going to work together across the the southern hemisphere, we, we don't have to worry well. about our east and our west, and we can just go all go due north. And surprisingly. Nobody broke it. It worked. And it worked. We did talk to Oceania at the time, but he kind of got eaten up or collapsed, and I think I think Australia and Argentina may have kind of went and killed him up. But the rest of us just kept working together and worked very well. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, there were other power blocks that were going on at the time. Anyway, long story short, it was a, um, a draw, I think, with about uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. Okay. I got a really good bounce to my supply, sorry, to my uh, my points. So I was very happy about that. Good. And just from talking afterwards to Australia, sorry, the player who's playing Australia, who's obviously an American, and of course I'm, you know, Australian, but anyway. Yes. So his, um, his, his handle is Blue Dog for Peace. Which is who we spoke to. Which is who we spoke to. Who your guys are about to listen to. Because in part of the conversation, as part of the end game conversation, and not only we're talking about Hey, well done. Thank you so much for sticking with the alliance and whatever. Yep. And hey, there was a few times where I really wanted to. I was very tempted <laughs> to put in a knife, believe me. He kind of ended up saying, look, no, thank you. Because he got back into the game because of the podcast. Oh, how good is that? And um, maybe we kind of will just go through to the Pat interview. Pat on our backs. Pat on our, our backs. backs. I mean, obviously, Blue Dog for Peace has a real name, but we said, hey, what do you want to be called? And he said, no, just go with my handle. That's what most people know me online for. Okay. So um, let's go to the um, let's go to it. interview with Blue Dog for Peace. And uh, while you guys are listening to that, we're going to refill beers. So Ooh, great catch you on the other side. Blue Dog, welcome to the Diplomacy Games podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, As I said, it's crossing the fourth wall into into media land. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so you're one of our listeners and, and we kind of, you and I um, actually allied in a, in a game recently and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, but towards the end as part of the, the end game statements and having a bit of a, you know, I think I said to you, oh, look, you're a great ally, blah, blah, blah. And um, and you kind of went, oh, that's right, you, you're the guy from the podcast and and then you started saying a few things. But before we kind of go in that particular space, you, you've been in the game for a while now, Blue Dog. And obviously, Blue Dog is just your online name. And, you know, we'll, we'll stick with that because that's probably the way you play mostly at the moment. We'll talk about that again. Um, but how did you get started in the game? I think it was back in the 70s. Was that right? Yeah, and I haven't really played since then. Um, I... I know the game because my father introduced it to me and I was playing with my uncle and cousin on family holidays. And so it was, I, I probably got introduced to it at age 12 and played it occasionally with family 
um, through to maybe age 15 or 16, and then haven't looked at it since for, what, 40 years, 43 years. Um, But I've always remembered it because it always felt, um, you know, it felt like a more advanced game than Risk. And I think it was great to play as an adolescent because I saw my father acting out with his brother in this great rivalry. And, you know, it was just, it was a way to, you know, be able to stab your own parent and and all of the negotiation and intrigue and all of that. It was great. So I've always remembered it. Um, wow. Okay. So so you, you you mentioned there obviously yourself, your father, your uncle, and and your um was it your cousin? So who who usually made up the other three? The the, the mums and and other sisters and siblings get called in or yeah, generally who weren't particularly interested and were who were leaved to be stabbed and done in. Uh, so, <laughs> so it was generally the, the men in the family. I don't mean to be gender stereotyped, but it was generally the men in the family who, who stuck in it and, and were the most eager about playing. It's funny that you talk about that, that period of, of your life, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14 or whatever. And um, it's obviously a very informative time when in in, in a child's development. Uh, at, at the same time, you've you've got this dynamic which has just totally been thrown because normally at that age, it's the parents with all the the power and the control, so to speak, and you've got to be a good good kid. Um, and this obviously is a game that helps throw that totally on its head. And at that age, exactly. you can't you can't be like playing. You know, you wouldn't be playing basketball or football with your parents and probably legitimately beating them. But within diplomacy, there is that opportunity. Um, do you remember at the time what it was like having that dynamic changed? Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, the the it's really liberating to have have that dynamic where you can negotiate and and. Um, and yeah, I mean, what can I say about it? Um, it is, it's really great to, to interact with the parent as a peer and to be using your powers of manipulation and convincing and, and all of that. I think one thing I realized, I, I only remembered playing as a 14-year-old or 16-year-old, and I realized after joining web dip and v dip that i wasn't as good as first of all i didn't remember the rules um very well after 40 years um i wasn't as good as i remembered but i and i thought oh maybe they were just being nice to me uh playing with family um and but otherwise the same dynamics play true which is that you're put into these moral dilemmas you're you're you succeed or fail based on how well you form alliances and then how well you break alliances. So it's a great dynamic to play out with strangers or with family. Absolutely. Sorry, um, Kate, are you going to say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before we kind of move on to the web dip, VDIP stuff, that's a really good point, like with the dynamics. I was just kind of interested. Do you recall how your father or uncle came to the game? My my father and my uncle uh, were, I, I guess that they were part of the generation that grew up in the 40s during World War II. So they were probably 
mapping out, you know, unfortunately, as we're doing now, you know, what, how, what's the progress in this village? What's the progress on, you know, the front line and all of that. And I remember my father was always interested in strategy games. He loved chess. Um, he loved those hex games that were, uh, you know, the tiny little cardboard pieces with numbers on every hex and m- massive maps of Europe, um, which were a bit too complicated for me, and I wasn't particularly interested in it. Um, so it was, I think he was always interested. He probably picked it up in college, or my uncle picked it up when he was in college or or in his 20s uh, in New York. Cool, cool. Yeah. I was going to make comment earlier, um, Blue Dog, around the fact that you know you, your father and your brother obviously knew the game and played the game. It, it's funny we've we've noticed just from attending a, a couple of tournaments, you get this strange situation where um, frequently you'll bump into siblings who are there playing in a, in a tournament together, and often. They're the players that are, are quickest to stab each other and, and take the most amount of joy in seeing one of them go down. Um, yeah. Was that your experience observing your father and uncle at the time? Oh yeah, yeah. They were they were very competitive, playful and competitive with each other, and it was a great it was great to watch. And and then my um, my uncle's son, uh, my cousin was also uh, deeply competitive in games. So they, there was a time when they were all playing backgammon and, and my cousin went out and got lessons in backgammon in order to, to win a huge amount of money against his father. Um, <laughs> so, so they were serious <laughs> players. And, okay. um, and it's one of those games where it's hard to assemble seven people in a room or it mm-hmm. was. And so after that, you know, beyond my family, I never played in high school or college. Uh, and I knew of um, web dip or not. No, there wasn't internet then, but there was mail dipl- diplomacy by mail and and then diplomacy by email. So I was not aware of a web version uh, until probably about four or five years ago and then thought, I'm not sure I want to sign on to an online game. Um, I have shied away from online games just because I don't want to deal with belligerent adolescence. I, I don't want to deal with spam and ads and all of that. And I'm actually really surprised and pleased by the sites because you don't have advertisements. You don't get spam when you sign up using your email address. And I think the nature of diplomacy is that the 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 long term one time one turn every one season every twelve hours or one season every twenty four hours tends to weed out the the um, characters who are coming into a game wanting um, sort of the quick emotional belligerence and a shoot 'em up game so so it's it's um it's it's turned out to be a really interesting experience to come back to diplomacy and realize how easy it is um i remember back in the 70s thinking wouldn't it be great if instead of 
a map of Europe. You could have a map of the whole world and you could have 50 people playing. Or, and of course, we couldn't envision the internet. So I was really thinking a globe and a giant sort of Dr. Strangelove table around it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, wouldn't that be amazing? That'll never happen. And then suddenly, oh, look, we're doing it. It's amazing. Um, actually, just making a comment on what you said there, Blue Dog, I think you're 100% correct around the nature of our online communities. And it doesn't matter if we're talking play dip, web dip, v dip, backstabber, um, you know, the Discord channels. Generally speaking, you only really kind of come across those platforms and participate in those platforms because you're probably aware of the game or you've heard about the game. Um, or you've been recommended, you know, to you, um, as opposed to, as you said, like that that shoot 'em up style, you know, spontaneous, you know, nature of getting a feedback loop straight away around what's going on, rather than like, oh, I've got to wait around for twelve hours or twenty four hours. Bugger this! I'll effectively go into civil disorder, not knowing what civil disorder is. Um, and I think we see that at the moment with some of the the app based um, diplomacy uh, offerings, because obviously, again, people will kind of quickly download an app, go, "Oh, this is fun!" I'll click, 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 and then go, "What? I've got to wait around for this period of time," and then they'll ignore things, and then it'll go away. So, you, I think you're right. Um, when you kind of came back into the game, how did you notice what what type of changes did you did you pick up? Well, I mean, first I, I came back to the game because. I'm I'm been I've been listening to podcasts and I like foreign policy podcasts. So I came across uh, when diplomacy fails, and there was an interview that you guys did with that podcast. I think probably about three years ago. Yeah, uh, before COVID. Yeah, and uh, and so it I I downloaded that podcast because I thought, oh, I know that game, and and it was a really interesting. Uh, podcast and then that inspired me to try to uh, log in um, I think when I started playing I first started playing web dip and then vdip um, it was a bit of a learning curve just because I had forgotten basic uh, strategic moves like for example if you are if you're attacked with support and the your attacked unit um, taps the support, it doesn't cut that support. You know, it's like very basic fundamental things. You know, it's just, oh yeah, I, I, I had forgotten that and I had forgotten the basics of, of how to, um, to, to play. Um, so I had some disastrous first games, which was pretty funny. Um, I think also, um, what is it? I think that with online versus in person, in person you have you have physical presence. You can go off to in different rooms. You can have negotiations in front of people or in a different corner. Um, this is chat based, so it it um, do people have very different styles, and it takes uh, a couple of seasons, you know, first few turns, to really start to discern what people's uh, personalities are so some people are very chatty if it's a chat game people are very chatty they want to tell you everything about their turns and what their strategy is and what do you think of all your neighbors and you know all of that and others are just 
to the business, to the facts, or I don't really need to talk with anyone. Um, I, I want to do gunboat in a chat game or, or whatever. So that, that's been interesting to learn that variety of styles that just don't exist when you're sitting around an in-person game with people that you know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, when you started back at WebDip, I assume, and the way you talked about it, there was playing against other players. You didn't kind of play against the bots, or the bots weren't around back then. Uh, they were, they were around, and so I did play a number of games with the bots. And there, I, I really like that feature. Uh, it, it really reduces the, um, it reduces the pressure of playing against people. You can play incredibly fast games. Uh, the AIs are very good. Um, I'm not sure if they've introduced AIs that have intentional errors or or chance. I think I've gotten better at the AIs, or maybe the the AIs have gotten gotten better at being stupid. Um, and and there's a really nice feature, which is within the first two or three turns, if your opening is a disaster, you can cancel the game. So. It gives you an out, which is really nice. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, so you, you started playing over at WebDip, and then what? You you made a transition to to VDip, or do you still play at WebDip as well? I've I'm not playing anything on WebDip right now, so I'm entirely on VDip, uh, and I like VDip just because I like uh, right now. I've been really liking the big maps with lots and lots of players. I, yeah, I just uh, I like I love that that sense of your interest in understanding your neighbors and then there's there's something happening with fifteen other players on a different part of the map and you won't learn about it until you're much bigger or until they come to you until you go to them or until they come to you. You're right on that. Like you, you don't kind of get that same dynamic in a classic game um, too much. Let's say, for example, with. <laughs> maybe like a small possible exception of somewhere like, you know, um, England and Austria or something like that. There's not too much conversation of neighbours of my neighbours. But within a larger scale map, actually it does, it can have a determining impact because obviously you're potentially reaching out to somebody you could ally with who's quite distant but happens to share the same, happen to share borders with the same um, neighbour that you have as well. Uh, so that can try to make things quite interesting in that particular space. Um, unless, of course, you want to play it as gunboat, in which case it doesn't really matter. Um, and it's funny because you, you did talk earlier on around, you know, what you envisage would be a wonderful, you know, massive tabletop, um, you know, the whole world kind of playing on that. And, yes, it, it does exist now now virtually. Um, so the the big games that you like to play, I assume are they, they're like the World War Fours or your other ones in particular that appeal to you variant-wise? Yeah, I'm playing a divided states game, and I've really liked that. Um, it's a public chat divided states game, so it's, it's chaotic in the or not chaotic, but it, there's a lot to read through or scan through on the public chat. Um, I've been playing. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Europe Renovatio um, yep. or Renovatio. Renovatio. Yep. They're good. I enjoy those ones. <laughs> and that's also, that's, I think, 36 players, as is the World War Four game. Um, and then I'm, I've been playing 
I played a couple of modern Europe games, which are also big, but just I think they're twenty players, uh, and I'm I'm in the middle of two of them right now. One of which I'm struggling, and one of which I'm I think I'm a goner, but we'll see. Has your um, has your gameplay changed over time as you've kind of re reeducated yourself back into the game? Do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I've only been playing for five months, so okay. I, but I definitely have become a more self aware when I, I, I think uh, when I started playing, I was really interested in the chat game and really interested in just negotiating and communicating with people, and I've begun to really like the no chat uh, games, the gunboat games, or the public chat games, just because it it mixes things up and it takes a lot less time if you're in a gunboat game, and also it's emotionally le- less fraught. If you're, if you're in a gunboat game where you're not talking to people all the time, you're not building long-term emotional relationships that then you have to betray which is such a heartbreak yeah Um, and i I find i mean i really i find myself really um i i don't think that i'm belligerent but i am willful um and i also i'm surprised at how emotional uh some of these games make me of i don't like to lose and i was really surprised to learn (laughs) i really don't like to lose Uh, it really depends how you lose too though doesn't it like yeah yeah Yeah, if you if you if you're losing through your own lack of strategy and and or just poor performance with other people and then you deserve it and it's fine um i i lost really badly to uh a player in a game who was uh, such a strong ally. We built each other up, and then he's just started taking centers from me, and I didn't care because I liked him so much, and <laughs> it was great. He he went for a solo. Um, I ended up lasting through the whole game on the other side of the map, I think, um, with one army just by the skin of my teeth, um, but it was a great relationship even though he was destroying me. Um okay. What, what but, particular variant was that? Uh, that was, I think that was a, I think that was modern Europe. I think that was modern Europe, and I was Poland, and he was Ukraine. So, so we were um, exchanging our Slava Ukraini, Slava Poland uh, chants all the way through the game. <laughs> so it was it, that was a normal press game, I take it. Uh, yes, that was a normal yeah. press game. It's interesting because I think in sometimes in in those game actually I don't know if it's press or gunboat it can probably apply to both you can you can build that relationship up with a player where they do you know stab you and you you're still kind of okay with that I don't know did you talk later on around what happened and and did he give, did they give you any assurances at all around what their intentions were or it was just communication broke off it was it was pretty clear that I mean, at beginning it was it was he was taking centers because he needed them just to build up elsewhere and 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 we were trading centers and and then it just 
he kept encroaching more and more and and I was being uh, attacked and losing ground to other players. So I was ceding uh, territory to him so that he would defend uh, and and be an ally for me. And then I realized very late, oh, I'm just getting eaten here. <laughs> this is just this is not an ally coming to my defense. This is this is wholesale carnage. Uh, but okay, that's fine. I can I can live with that. And good for him. He played it well. Uh, he played it brilliantly. I didn't really suspect until I realized it, and then didn't care. So, and I I didn't feel like I was losing because because he was doing well, mm-hmm. and that was good. Did, did you get any assurances to to survive? What's that? Did you get any assurances from him that you were going to survive at least? Yeah, um, assurances all the way through of saying, you know, I'll protect you to, to keep this three, five centers and then three centers and then two centers. And then it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. I've heard this too many times before. I, I'm just making a break for it and, and running through the front lines with the other players to get behind them. Uh, and that succeeded. So um, I was Poland and I ended up, uh, camping out in Belgium and Holland, well, <laughs> which was like a good, a, a good pattern for a good Eastern European to to set up shop in Belgium or or Holland, and and Germany battled it out for a while. It, it's also funny that type of dynamic. I find I'll, I'll go one of two ways. If an ally stabs me, I'll either you know go okay and then work well that you know work it out or, or kind of reach an accommodation which provided i can survive but other times i'll go the exact opposite and it's like right okay so you've stabbed me i'm just going to disengage from whoever i'm fighting with and yeah. they can pick up whatever supply centers they want because i just want to stop you you know what i mean just for your for your treachery so i think it comes down to um at least from my perspective how you you how you how you take the stab that's right. And then there's the balance of power dynamics, which are, are, and I really tried that in our recent game because I was, uh, we can talk about it later, but as Australia. We can talk um, about it now, that's fine, I think. And, uh, and so I had built up, I think it was at max 26, 27 fleets, and it was all fleets. It wasn't a single army in the, in the mix. So I wasn't going to make landfall anywhere. And I really tried my neighbors by that point were just, I just had five neighbors, yourself in South Africa, India, Sichuan, uh, Mexico, which by then controlled all of North America and Argentina, which controlled all of South America. And I was just very clear with everybody. If anyone attacks me, I'm giving centers to everyone else. (laughs) So, so I really want to be, uh, my strength will be in deterrence. Um, and that sort of worked. I was surprised that that um, we actually reached a draw in that game because it was a um, um, anonymous draws, and I think we were down to what was it seven or eight players? Yeah. And it, it, it's it sounded very much like there was a, a group think that somebody was holding out. Could have been actually more than one person. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was surprised eventually that that draw did happen when uh, India apparently threw in the last um, vote for that. Um, we actually started that game, I think, with a yourself as Australia, myself as South Africa, Argentina, and 
I think it was Oceania at the time. Yes. Coming up with this concept of a, um, a Southern Alliance, which right. I was surprised held for as long as it did. Well, all the way through the game, actually. Um, yeah. With the with the view of listen, if we don't have to worry, we don't have to worry about the south because you know the penguins can't attack us. Um, if we if we're not if we're actually true to what we're saying to each other, we don't have to worry about our eastern and western flank, and we can just move due north. Um, That's and right. I found it. It was it was a very powerful strategy. Um, it was very because everybody powerful. piled in. I can't remember what happened to you were in the, this vicinity. What happened to Oceania though? Oh, I stabbed them. <laughs> it was very clear. I, I, I knew that I wanted to ally with a I, – I knew that a southern strategy, a southern alliance would um, – but I also knew that Oceana was – it had centers right next to – you know, it was, it was um, New Guinea and – I mean, you guys are Australian so that you um, – you're aware of the geography a little bit more, but the Solomon Islands and yep. – Fiji and Nauru and and then over to Samoa and and um, Tahiti. Uh, ultimately, Oceania. Uh, the, my biggest threat was Indonesia, immediately because they were mm-hmm. bigger and had a density of centers. So, I needed to ally with Oceania in order to have them focus northward and leave me alone while I dealt with Indonesia, but I always knew that as soon as Indonesia was toppling, I'd have to stab Oceania. Um, and I was I was clear about that in my mind. I felt terrible about it. And I did I was I was using the worst stereotype language possible. I you know, I, you would be appalled as Australians. I was talking to Oceania like the Pacifica people, we're Australia's an island nation, a Pacific nation. We, I care about our future, and all I really wanted to do is colonize. I'm a settler colonist. <laughs> all I wanted to do was stab them and move in. Um, so, it's actually very close to reality. We're all we we do exactly the same thing um, diplomatically in, in Australia, I think. But it's nowadays it's just to stop China from from moving into the region. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so it was interesting to feel how history was playing out. So I knew Indonesia was going to be the best strategic focus first. And I, I, I got trapped by alliances, I think, and that happens to me a lot in games. So I had negotiated that Antarctica Southern uh, Alliance with you, South Africa, Argentina, Oceania. I had also negotiated and was part of a Pacific Rim alliance with Philippines, Japan, uh, and I believe it was Canada and Argentina as well. And then I also was negotiating with you and India about an Indian Ocean alliance. And so um, I was going to run out of frontier. Uh, and and eventually did, where once Indonesia was gone, I I was stuck because it was like okay, well, oh, I've got to attack Oceania. Then Oceania was gone, and it's like okay, well, then I've been in alliance with the Philippines and Japan, and I'm in an alliance with South Africa and India, like basically everybody. So I've got to betray somebody in order to keep moving. 
And luckily, Philippines dropped out and a new player came in. So I was like, oh, okay, new player. <laughs> I feel no guilt. Yes, I, I mean, that's one of the troubles, isn't it, when you've got so many allies, you've got to eventually go somewhere. So it makes it uh, convenient for somebody to do that to, to, to themselves. There's also a one thing I find is is the game leads to, or I find I I end up sounding inconsistent, um, and it's one thing I'm learned and and paying attention to, which is that when when you start a game, you're vulnerable. There's all these different alliances, and and your ambitions are simply to survive and to simply you know, move into territory X. And so you make an alliance and you say, okay, you know, neighbor, neighbor X, let's, let's divide up this territory. You take two centers, I'll take two centers and we'll live happily ever after. And then you grow and your expectations change. You're moved into the centers, your neighbor's now bigger and more of a threat. And you think, well, wait, I deserve all of that. (laughs) What are you doing here? Uh, And I think, as my ambitions change and as the situation change changes, I I communicate honestly for what I'm thinking at the time. And I'm communicating honestly for what I think I need to say and negotiate with each partner. And then it turns out to be completely inconsistent about what I'm saying to neighbor A versus neighbor B across time. Because the game shifts. Mm, yeah, is is the communication that you're doing at the moment the the truth and honest, the truthful and honest sort of view right. at the time? Um, but then, as as your situation changes, how do you keep your past communications consistent with your allies based on the changes in the board? Is yeah, that's an interesting. Um, it's that, that, it's that's very a tricky. Bit. Yeah, it's very hard to to have a static DMZ, for example. In some cases, yes, you can set a demilitarized zone and a border that will stay stable um, for the entire game. And that's what happened with South Africa and, and Australia in the game we were just talking about. But in most cases, because uh, the different countries are growing and changing, those borders have to shift and so it's very hard to figure out um okay when do we renegotiate and and on what basis and on what trust and and all of that i'm a big fan of of um trading centers just because it it really is a way of keeping uh friendships where you can then um swap centers and move in different directions to be exposed to different um, different frontiers in ways that work for both of you. Does that make um, sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, the one that trips me up is when, um, you know, you've got a good DMZ set up. How do you, and, and, and circumstances means that you just need to traverse that to, to deal with a belligerent um, but then approaching your ally who's been good and saying, "Hey, I, I need to use that DMZ. Do you mind?" <laughs> and 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 often that conversation can go one or two ways. It can blow up an alliance, or it can um, help cement it. And I, I just really struggle with the best way to sort of start broaching that conversation. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no, that's right. And then there's the other dilemma, which is, um, I mean, uh, always the 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 current attack, the current battle is more important than the potential stab. And you need to focus on who's your actual threat now in real time versus all of your paranoid fantasies about what might be happening to you from all angles. Uh, but at the same time, it's really hard to get rid of that paranoia because it's a game that is all about alliances shifting. And so I've found um, occasionally, and this happened in this most recent game, where um, India and Australia, I was Australia, India, and we, we agreed on a DMZ. We, we were um, had no units next to each other. It was all working well. But I was watching them and their alliance with Sichuan and how strong they were. And I thought, I don't feel comfortable being, um, you know, two years move, sets of moves away from defending myself if they suddenly turned on me. So I'm just going to put, I'm going to build a fleet here, right? I'm just going to build a fleet here. And that, um, uh, India, I mean, we laughed about it afterwards because, uh, I kept doing these moves that were defensive against an attack that never came, but I couldn't really tell whether the attack was going to come. And then we created this arms race between friends because it's like, well, I can't, I, you know, you're building up on our border, therefore I have to build up on our border. <laughs> yeah, I remember very that very well because at one stage, I think it was coming towards the close to the end game when I, I mentioned to you I was getting very very paranoid about the number of Indian fleets where which were you know ringed around um, both you but particularly me um, so and, and at the same time there was that situation going on of that random Mexican fleet that managed to find its way all the way over to New Caledonia Right. Which obviously, once you get someone like that into your rear or one of these big maps, it's hard to kind of recover if they just keep going around gobbling bits up here and there and then building locally. That's um, right. So uh, I, I must admit, at that point of time, I, as I said, oh, I'll send a fleet over, um, expecting that there may be a small chance that, you know, uh, that Mexican um, fleet in mine might, you know, of course, bounce Um that was the plan uh, on a on a supply centre, but maybe he wouldn't contest it, and I'd get one of your supply centres, and then you know, oh well, you know, these things happen. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, and then I'll build off there, and then. <laughs> but, but I we didn't have to worry case, about that. I was also I was been, and I was partly I knew that India was the holdout on the draw, and so I was trying to to encourage you to take my centers and encourage Sichuan to take my centers so that you would so that India would see that both of you were a potential threat so that if the game continued and I collapsed India would not gain from it mm. so so, yes, so I was trying yes. And meanwhile, I was also writing to India and pleading with them, saying, if any of our communications over the last month have meant anything to you, please draw. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. Um, yeah, I think I think that, that last moment, I think you suggested I move into uh, Diego Garcia, but um, even then I was like, I don't really want to poke the Indian bear by being seen to be moving into the Indian Ocean, which quote unquote aggressively just for you know, one supply center, which he can then kind of come at me. 
And that's why I think I said, I said, oh, you, you go back there. It might be easier. Um, I also remember the, at that time that you did start, start saying, oh, look, um, you were worried about India, that you are offering to throw supply centres my way. And I think you also said at the time that I can't remember if you, you had some travel coming up for work or, or whatever happens to be the case, but that may have been one of your reasons to you know, <laughs> say, oh, well, losing a bit of interest, blah, blah, blah. Um, without going into details around, around what you do, Blue Dog, I mean, you did mention before we started recording that you, you do have a fair amount of, of international travel with, with, your, with your work coming up. Um, have, have, how have you found that going around from, you know, one side of the globe to the other whilst trying to actually keep up to date with your, with your games? It's not that much of a trouble. I mean, most flights are less than 12 hours, right? So, so if I haven't been on a 14 hour flight yet and, and for the games that require a turn every 12 hours, um, I might be late on, on those, but in general, um, it's actually a nice hobby and something to do on downtime. So, so you can play this game from an airport. You can play it from a hotel, uh, and it's it's a nice thing to do when you're drinking coffee in the morning, or you know, after after dinner. So it's just it it works in terms of the the game the turn phases of being 24 hours or 36 hours really help. Uh, the, and people are, are throughout the summer I've noticed in the last month, people have been going off camping and going offline. And so that's been a challenge for some, some folks. Uh, and they've, they've had people step in to, to take over for them. Mm, Yeah. Sitting their games. Um, no, no, sorry, go, Andy. Okay, um, yeah, so I, I guess one thing I was just wanted to kind of loop back towards the end of the interview, Blue Dog, was um, the fact that you kind of came back into the game by consuming, you know, one of our one of our podcasts. Um, and I think you mentioned that you're a bit of an avid pod, podcast um, listener, or sorry, you know, oh, sorry, you listen to a number of different podcasts. Have you listened at all to Brother Board's Diplomacy podcast as well? No, I haven't. Oh, yeah, I haven't to that one. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, particularly if, if you're looking at uh, upping your game, let's just put it that way. I think he's got a lot of good advice and um, it, it's well worth having a, a listen to. Probably not, not quite as many episodes as what we have, but um, he's still got quite a few there. Um, but it's actually, I think it's, it's probably a good sign that the, um, the number of different um, uh, diplomacy media uh, environments, you know, whether we're talking about you know various YouTube channels, podcasts, um, whatever, are out there, so that people can, you know, maybe they'll they'll kind of see brought up in their feed, or they'll who whatever, and then they'll kind of come back in. There's the potential they're going to come back into the game like like you did, which is great. Um, whilst you've been playing face to face the whole time, now that you've you've you're getting your groove back. Um, do you see yourself um, getting involved in any face-to-face games, either locally in New York or um, in a tournament or anything like that in the foreseeable future? I've thought about it. I I was in Cambridge right around the Boston Massacre, and so I it didn't line up perfectly, but I thought, oh, that would be nice to do. Um, and then I was going to be in London during a, um, an upcoming uh, – I think it's on 
it's it's the second week or third week of September. Uh, there's going to be a face-to-face in London. So I've thought about it. Uh, one thing that I, I really like the huge games of 30 to 50 people. So online actually works really well. It's just convenient. And so I've, I am curious to see people in person and play in person, but I like the, the online format. One thing I'm curious about is the demographics. I have no idea. Uh, when I started, when I first started uh, in March, I was thinking, who's who's on this, right? Is it old geezers like me? Um, is it belligerent teenagers? And, and I'm I just, it's hard to know uh, who's behind the screen. Um, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, but uh, I get the sense that there's a good number of players from Australia and from England and the United States, Uh, all Anglophone countries. I think one player indicated that they were French or in France. Um, And a lot of college students i've i'm hearing a lot i heard a lot of people saying oh i'm taking exams or or um or taking a break from from college and going home or something like that so i i'm getting the sense that uh there are definitely older people who played in the 70s 60s and 70s as board games and then there's a newer wave that's being recruited and and yeah, recruited uh, through universities. But I have no idea what the demographics are, and it'd be kind of fun to go to an in-person game just to see it. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I just I think from my experience and from what I've heard from others, it, it is pretty much exactly what you said. You know, people get introduced to the game in high school or at university. Um, then life happens, and then uh, they get more time back when they're getting a little bit older, and then they get back into the game. Um, through some, you know, you know, for some reason or whatever. Um, and, yeah, look, I think within the online communities you do tend to have a lot of, obviously, English-speaking people. Um, but, I mean, from my experience, I've, I've dealt with a fair number of people who've also been from other, you know, other, other countries, other, um, sorry, English isn't their um, first language. And um, I'm actually, I'm always blown away with how, how good often their uh, their their um, english is compared to how rotten any of my foreign language abilities kind of go <laughs> um and then on top of that you know you do have uh discrete online communities for particular um uh, languages as well so you know there's one for i think there's definitely one for russian there's one for german um there have been in the past italian ones so french um, there's french, a yeah. there's a turkish one so okay. They probably will go okay. over there, and then they maybe all come together and kind of you know duke it out in gunboat or something like that, and when nobody has to worry about communicating. Anyway, I'm I'm just amazed that there's these online. I mean, there are. I'm obsessed by this game in the last four or five months, and <laughs> I I'm just amazed there are other people who are equally obsessed. Like, <laughs> it takes a particular personality that's that's interested in sort of the the strategy of this the the balancing of of both willfulness and relationship building it it is it's a fascinating game but it's super geeky and like 
oh my god like there's hundreds of people out there on this game and and i'm chatting with people on these games and how great that is totally agree i think that's a wonderful note to kind of finish up the interview uh blue dog um is there anything that we haven't touched on that you you wanted to kind of talk about at all well just the question is is there a cure (laughs) (laughs) we haven't found one yet (laughs) okay i've been involved in this for four months uh i'll i'll let you know I think, you, if you, I think if you've been there for that long, you're not going to get it out of your system, that's for sure. Not, 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 not too early. Hey, just quickly, Blue Dog, are you thinking about joining the mistletoe grinding shoe polish mud cake Europa Renovatio game? Absolutely. I'm, I'm signed up and there's three more people needed. Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And that's a, that's a no chat anonymous. Yes, that's a big one. Yeah. So we shall see. Excellent. So, Blue Dog, thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining us today. Great. Thank you very much. And we're back. Cheers. Great interview. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, look, as I said, coming into the, into the uh, introducing the interview, it was fortuitous that he found us by being like a podcast listener of When Diplomacy Fails and when we went on that podcast. Right, yep. And him actually having that prior experience as a, as a kid. And I, oh, I know playing what these guys are talking about. And getting going, <laughs> oh shit, I remember that game. And then listening to us and then going, okay, well, you know, they're talking about this media website, I'll go and have a play of that. Mm. So, look, whilst yes, this is actually great I, I, I never expected... Actually, no, I'll tell you what. Right. If you went back to that episode, I don't know, fucking 10 or 12 or something like that, we're in that bar that was in... I can't remember what it is. It's somewhere around Eagle Lane in Brisbane. Yeah. And we were talking at the time around the fact of how can we get... We need to be getting more people into the website. Totally. So it's a V diplomacy and everything like that. Yeah, we and this podcast this, is yeah. basically meant to try to get people interested in coming across to V-Diplomacy. Now, we've moved on a hell of a long way since then. Yeah, well, we have, yes. But it's actually funny that the original mission statement, if I can kind of use wanking talk, <laughs> we actually achieved, at least with one person. <laughs> one success tip. But I think... <laughs> That's one more than there was. Exactly, exactly. Yep. But look, at the end of the day, it's I, I don't... As much as it's great that we were able to do that um, with, with this show, it's actually really, I suppose, a credit to all of the diplomacy content creators, mm-hmm. whether there's other, you're creating another, someone else's podcast, a YouTube channel, uh, you know, any of the other ways of getting information out there yes. around the game and creating interest and getting you know, people to go, yeah, I want to give that a go again. I remember playing that as a kid. I'll give that a go. Right, yep. It's yep. all, it all just goes to show that it's all about how can we grow the community more? And it's not just us, it's everybody involved in that space. And look, really want to kind of encourage anybody who's got an interest in this and got a bit of a creative bent, just to give it a go and suck it and see. And what's what's the worst that can happen, you know? Nobody listens. Well, at least you'll learn something. There you go, yes. And it was a a fun journey. So I, well, thank you for sharing your story with us, Blue Dog for Peace. I'm, I'm, I'm very much of a like-minded to you in that it was a really good 
um, a good story to hear about how someone re re-engages with a game and it shows that the community is not dead, it's still growing, there's still people coming to it and coming back to it um, and there's still parents teaching their children the game and in 20 years time, 30, 40 years time, those kids are going yep. to come back to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Eh? So, you know, it, it's just a great, it's great and heartwarming, isn't it, really, it is, for, it for is. the game. So, not too, it's not too shabby for a game that's, what, seven years old now? Yeah, it's getting a little bit on. It's getting on. It's getting on. When does the copyright finish? Oh, yeah, you've talked about ago? this. I, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah, anything don't about know copyright that. law. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. I know that's what it is for like, music, isn't it? Books. It's 100, isn't it? Mm. I do not know. Anyway, anyway, thank yep. you, Blue Dog for Peace. Great talking thank you. to you. And I hope um, people got uh, something from the interview as we did. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, um, other things that are kind of going on. What are we now? We're in mid-September. Mid-September, yes. So, it won't be too long until WDC 2022 happens in Vermont. The first time we've had a WDC for Quite some time. years. Quite some time. Yes. Since before COVID. Yes. I think the last one was like 2019 in Marseille. Must have been, yeah. And the last two have been cancelled, but hey, so when's it's it in back, v- baby. When's it, when's it in Vermont? Oh, shit, I think it's like early November from memory. So I want to say something like the 4th to the 6th, but I might be wrong. And that's part of something large. It's like a large... Carnage. Carnage, yeah. 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 Big, big gaming convention and stuff. But um, uh, look, if, if you're in America, or obviously... Uh, maybe East Coast Canada, Vermont's just like pop, skip and a jump away, really. Well, it sounds like a perfect way to spend a weekend. I'm, I'm so looking forward to Thailand next year. Yes, yes. So um, I, I did reach out to, uh, to Andrew Goff, to Goffy, um, just saying, hey, look, how's that all going? Because he's kind of a co-organiser. Involved with it. Involved yep, with it. Yep. He's, he's involved with it. Not just on a periphery, but not not in the middle, but somehow involved. Yes. And and his view is like, yep, everything's everything's looking good. I haven't got a date yet though, so that would be useful because I think that would be handy for everybody's planning. Because it's if one could, thing. If I could block out a month, I know not to be going elsewhere during that month, and I can close the date when you actually get specific. Exactly. Dates I can book the tickets as soon as I know. Yeah. Would be ideal. So a month. Yep, it's definitely going to be in July. It's definitely going to be in. Can't tell you exactly which week at this stage, but we can release it's going to be in July. Fantastic, yeah, okay. or something like that. You get my drift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I imagine that there'll be other people in sort of looking at long-term plans. Like, oh, next year we want to do a big trip. Yep. I, for one, don't want to be doing my big trip and inadvertently ruining my opportunity to attend uh, WTC oh, right. in Thailand. Yeah, because yeah. you, were, you were talking about going, you know, doing something, a big trip with Mrs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mrs. Sometime Kane. next year, obviously. Looking going over to Mexico, so. Oh, oh, oh Mexico. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I guess I've always wanted to see the Mayan ruins. So where's where's the closest main? Is that like around Canton? Is it Cancun or what's the other one? There's two big resort places. Cancun, I think, which might be on the south. Tijuana. Tijuana's uh, on the south. Cancun, I think, is close to the ruins. But you're not really interested no, in that. Not, not hey, we've got great, we've got great beaches here in Australia. Why would you go over to a Mexican to beach? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Bad taste in the mouth. Sure. <laughs> uh, checking out the Yucatan Peninsula and okay. some of the um, some of those western, lesser visited locations on the west coast. Wouldn't mind seeing Baja, California. Baja. Baja. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the J is a H in, in of Spanish. It is, yeah. yeah. Going to go dune buggy driving? Because that's all I know. Baja, California is like you have dune buggies. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. It's yeah. like, probably, it's like I must have watched some <laughs> crap movie from the 70s when I was, you know, in the 80s or something. Uh, anyway, but that's yet to be confirmed as to the actual travel time. But yeah, it'd be good to know a month so that I can book in a month as, just to say, no, it's not going to be that month so I can. But, but, but can, even if even if um, you know if you're going to Mexico, it's not too far away from the United States. I mean, would Mrs. No. Kana be popping in to see you know family? Um, maybe. Is there any American-based tournaments in I don't know October next year? Well, it depends on when WDC's happening because if WDC's happening in October, then I need to make sure that. The trip to Mexico doesn't happen in October, it happens in yes. a different month, you see. So that's what I'm saying. Okay, so you're saying I need to hassle Goffey a little bit more to at least nail down a window. A window, yes. <laughs> that would be fantastic. You don't need specific dates? No. Look, a month would be fantastic. Maybe just like a two to three month period. You can just work around that. I can work around that. That's, that's good. And look, and I'm exactly the same because uh, I, I, I did set want to go again also I want to do, I want to do my first WDC mm. and having it in our um, our figuratively speaking uh, backyard in Australia like because let's be honest a nine-hour flight for us is a backyard pretty it's just, much it's like down the back. yeah I mean so one country's closer that's Indonesia so. like nine hours you could be driving and you're only halfway up Queensland <laughs> yeah. may as well do nine hours on an airplane yeah exactly go somewhere else yeah. so um yeah, and I'm, I'm the same because, like, you know, Mrs. Amby, because next year we're getting one of those uh, years where we both have a birthday ending in a zero. So oh. we want to do something as well. Yes. She's got different ideas. That's great. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm always supportive of those ideas. Um, but I, I wouldn't want it to clash with WDC as well. So you're 100% correct. Yeah, so we've got to get our priorities right. Exactly. And, um, I don't think I'd be... I'd definitely be sleeping in the doghouse if I... Pull the pin on the trip to Mexico. You know what? Actually, okay, okay, so, so look, here's, here's one thing we haven't talked about this before, and um, so obviously WDC 2023 planned to be in Bangkok, Thailand. Right. Um, always whenever I hear that, I automatically get that giggle. That, no, 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 no. That, that song in my mind from the 80s. You know that one, don't you? One night in Bangkok. No, I don't. Oh my goodness, Kana. I probably do. I just, I, I did. I... Here, here it is. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> the magic of editing. Magic of editing, that's right. 
But look, honestly, and look, obviously you'd be going over with Mrs. Kaner as well. I, I don't know if Mr. Zambi would be interested in going. But I do know that you, you obviously had experience up in the north of Thailand. Northeast, yeah. Northeast, yeah. And I would love it if, if are you going there? To the, look, there's some lovely spots on the Mekong. There are some beautiful spots. I was just going to say, if hypothetically you're going there, right. and you feel comfortable with it, I wouldn't mind going along with you to see the bar that you used to go to and play diplomacy in this bar. <laughs> we'll take a board, and we'll see if they've still got the board that they've been played there, <laughs> and the get the bar flies together again. <laughs> we just need five of them from there. Oh, mate. I, I don't know if that bar's still open. Guy who still runs Magic it. of the internet, I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> Kate is writing down, where the fuck did I used to play diplomacy in Thailand? Yeah. I'll have to have a look. <laughs> See if it's still there. It's still yeah, I mean, the internet doesn't have. Is it Chiang Mai or where? Con uh, Ken. Con Ken. Uh, Chiang Mai's in the northwest. Ah, uh, right. Or north, really. Um, yep. you no, know, so it's in the Karat Plateau. So Near the Laos. next one would be up. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much bang in the middle of that area, Isa. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, obviously, talking tournaments, talking face to face. I think last episode I said, look, I'm going to get my shit together and see if I can organise a face to face game in Brisbane. Hasn't happened. Because I've been sick as a dog. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand up for five minutes. I sure as hell can't walk around and bloody negotiate at the moment. <laughs> Let alone organise a step. Yeah. So um, nothing unsurprisingly has happened in that space. Um, I've got some... Uh, I do have a plans at, in a couple of weeks to go on holidays. That may or may not happen. Um, either way, maybe October, November we'll look again. <laughs> I did see this the other day. What's that? It's a tabletop guild. Oh, okay, yep. The uh, Griffith University Tabletop Guild aims to provide an amazing experience for those who enjoy everything about tabletop board games and role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, okay. Um, and we know that the, the granddaddy of Dungeons and Dragons is diplomacy. Yes, know, that's where it all came from, yeah. so. Okay. I think I've spoken to you before around something similar. I had. It's good to know that Griffith are doing it. Um, I know that UQ had a similar thing going where they had like a board game club as well. Right, yeah, yeah. And actually, I always think that is, if you time it right within the university timetable, yeah. when you know that students are, um, basically, let's put it this way, when they've got time enough to go out to the bar and get pissed, yes. they've got time to play a game of diplomacy. Yes. You know, you make sure it's not when you've got all your assessment on and your SWAT vac yes. and then your your exams. Yes. So there is definitely yeah. some again windows. There's a couple of windows in the in the uh, university calendar that a um, start of each semester would be ideal, I'd say. Yes, when people are enthusiastic, yep. they want to get the whole experience. They want to enjoy everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so and then they'll kind of play diplomacy a few times at that. They'll stop playing, they'll move on in life, and 20 years' time they'll, they'll be back, back. again. <laughs> yeah. By that time, this will be a heritage podcast. It's like, yeah, welcome to the Diplomacy Games. We've been going for 26 years now. Cheers! Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> I 
actually speaking about heritage podcasts, you're, um, you told me you were going to cheekily enter our pod- this podcast into something. Well, yeah, I think uh, last year we talked about going into the Australian Podcasting Awards. We did. We spoke and about then that we that kind of checked it and found out it like, closed like about a week or two before we decided <laughs> to actually even discover it. Um, but yeah, I think it closes on the 24th of September. Right. Um, so all I need to do is you need to kind of submit about 15 minutes of audio. Total? Total. So like not a full podcast? No, no, no. 15 minutes. Which should be a a, a, um, a brief synopsis of about um, some snippets from like three of your podcast episodes. I need to go back and check the um, the rules whether it's been over the last twelve months or whether you can just choose your back catalogue. Oh yeah. So some um, of our best moments. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what would be interesting there is well, who would we? What would we include? Who have we spoken to? I mean. All of our interviewees have been fantastic. If we're going for an award, right? Would you would you chop like so I'm struggling to figure out the format. Are you going to go like take I mean you could take our intro to who we're going to talk about, snip it from that conversation, and then us joking about diplomacy somehow, getting well, something wrong, well, well, totally wrong. Well, like, <laughs> kind of like handles. after we've been after we've been or, drinking for like two hours. Or, or Arkansas, <laughs> for God's sake, and then going back to another diplomacy or another person we're interviewing, and then take a snippet and then go into some other random tangent that we talk about. Yep. I, I, I'm not sure. Do we include our most drunken moments? Honestly, I need to go back and have a look at what the criteria is for the submission. Um, There is an entry fee, but um, I will will stump up the cash for that. My my question, though, is what category are are you going to enter it into? Is it a whole heap of different... Yes. Oh, okay. That's a category. There's a Best Arts and Culture podcast... Well, we are very highbrow, Kana. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, health and well-being. Is alcohol good for you? I think so. I think so. I think it's it's um, lots of red wines good for your heart. So, health support, self-help, meditation, psychology, emotional intelligence, therapy. Sounds like a good game of diplomacy to me. Okay, keep going. What other well, options are there? Comedy. Well, that's definitely not us. <laughs> Uh, business. Nah. <laughs> Sex and relationship. Oh, we can include the uh, episode with the diplomacy wives. <laughs> uh, parenting. Nah, we're pretty shit at that. History. Uh, we touch on it, but not really. Yeah. Really. Sports. I mean, you're banging on about trying to get diplomacy in the Olympics. <laughs> Yes, that's true, that's true. <laughs> um, education? Well, we try to be educative and tell people about the game. Current affairs? Yeah, well, we touch on that occasionally. Occasionally, but... occasionally. Uh, the climate? No, nah, no, nah, we're not very good at that. Even though it can get pretty chilly on a board game? 
we're not talking about climate. Well, but we're not. We're not exactly kind of using you know carbon credits for when we fly down to Melbourne. So we'll <laughs> probably get a back, black mark there. Uh, true crime. Uh, yeah, no. Get away with murder on the board sometimes. Uh, entertainment. Uh, what type of things are that? Celebrity, music shows, true storytelling, comedian. Comedian chat. Oh, well. Okay. Children's. No, we're not really a kiddies uh, podcast. Seeing that we <laughs> fucking swear all the time and drink lots of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, best interview. Uh, best documentary. Best factual. Best fiction. This goes on. Best new podcast. No, we're not new. No. Mm. I think we probably fall most into arts and culture. Nah, we're not arts and culture. Um, Food and drink. We've got drink. Other artistic <laughs> interests and hobbies. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, maybe you are right. Potentially. Could be a bit of a wild card. Video games. And the video game industry, so board games. Board yeah, game industry. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, okay, you're, you're probably right. And arts and culture, actually, let's be honest, there's going to be like, there'll be something there around music. Yeah, for sure. There'll be something there that's like proper arty. Oh, like shortlisted. Today, at the Queensland Music Arts Museum, there'll be like uh, something very TV and film. There will be, absolutely, yes. Yep. And then they'll need a random one. We're the random one. We're the randoms. <laughs> Cheers. We could even include that bit about um, diplomacy art. Diplomacy art? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Remember those, those, um, from all those back issues of the diplomacy world we were looking through? And those, yeah, yeah. Those comics and... And the, the beautiful maps. We love People maps. would talk about maps. lyrical about maps. You know what we should get on about maps? Yeah. That, um... um Drop Bear Parachute guy or whatever it is. Drop Bear Parachute? Whoever that was the guy that did, did the big beautiful map that you've kind of printed on canvas. Parachute Bears. Oh. Yeah, that was... That, yeah, that's that's one I just found that was I liked. I didn't really ask for permission to print it, but it was out there in the... <laughs> it was out there in the commons. Um, and I printed with his uh, with his name on it. Yeah. That was a Reddit... Yeah, it was a Reddit... ...map that was made. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, speak about art. Yes. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> you want to bring it up or me? No, you bring it up. You bring it up. Actually, I need to go to the loop. Okay, of course. Of course. And we're back. Cheers. Okay, yes. I had to go give myself another one because unfortunately the wines are a little bit small. Nice wines. I changed to wine, obviously, for listeners. I'm okay. now on a Sharky Shiraz. Had Sharky before, quite nice. Okay. Sharky was a TSH rather than shark like a in the water. What? <laughs> <laughs> Just have another big can of Okay. Um, but yes, this is a, this is actually like a Peruvian bitchin. Um, bar what? kitchen. Oh Peruvian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole menu is Peruvian. Oh that's cool. They must have like a Peruvian chef or something, or maybe the owner's Peruvian. I was recently at a well, I was on holiday down and uh, down near Stanthorpe. Oh yeah. And Stanthorpe's got a un- like a very unique Peruvian shop that's really? dedicated to everything Peru, like with the alpaca fleeces and you know, woven imported little you know like those, those Andean hats and yeah yeah it's like really yeah 
it's just it's just bizarre to see something like that in rural Australia. It's this shop dedicated to you know Peruvian bagpipes and clothing and sculptures. And, yeah. Cool. So we're having some Peruvian loaded fries. They've got a proper name like shit papalapa or something. And that's, I'm not being culturally insensitive, I just Don't know can't remember how to, what the word was and how to pronounce it. So, it's, oh, anyway. cool. so um, yeah, talking about a couple of weeks ago, I don't know why, but like one of the younger people in my team, that's probably where I came from, um, started talking about you know, using these various online artificial intelligence image generators, where okay, you kind yeah. of put in various random words and it'll give you some computer AI images to kind of work all the shit out. And look, I, I, I've been using I've been using uh, what's called Crayon. So C-R-A-I-Y-O-N dot com. And um, it's been amazing when you put in all these various terminologies that are around the game diplomacy to understand what a computer visualizes when you throw at it these different words that relate to um, the game. So um. every single time it's unique because the computer's going off from the start using all of its millions of images to work out and the way it's all being worked out to come up with a, a response. So look, everything's always going to be different. So as an example, here is one I've typed in with like diplomacy game players. Okay. So you got like these random board things, some of which actually resemble diplomacy not at all. Yeah, some of them aren't diplomacy. Yeah, like what? Which? There's only one that resembles diplomacy. Vaguely. Vaguely. Oh, that one's um, slightly. Oh, this one. What's this? This is a. Oh yeah, kind of. And I, w- I will kind of preface the fact that this particular site Ooh, sure. is, um, you find with the, um, the the way the AI does it, the people's faces just get a bit mashed together into like these Weird. ugly, distorted kind Francis of... Ba- Francis Bacon-esque. Yes. Figures. Okay. Um, I have actually signed up for DALL-E, so D-A-L-L, I think hyphen E. Yeah. Which is like the hardcore version, but they're only kind of doing it on beta, and you can only be, you have to add your name to the list and you'll be invited in. Oh. And one of the options okay. is you're an online creator of content so, or journalist. So we're on the same level of journalists now. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> so I've just, I've, okay, so I've gone to crayion. Yeah, the same place. .com, yep. yep. And I've just put in. Knife in back after traitorous lying bastard. Yep. And I got all these images of just sharp knives. Just sharp knives. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, here's some more so that I've done. So it says I've actually. Oh fuck! This has kicked it off all over what's again. What's another one? Um, what, what, what's some other word? What, what's other ones that would represent? Um, okay. So French invasion. Of Germany supported by English fleets in 
Denmark. Let's see what gives me there. So it usually takes about 60 seconds to get a response. So whilst you're waiting for that, yes. here's one for... Oh, fuck. My browser keeps refreshing, asshole. Um, this one should be ready soon. This one is coming up is Diplomacy Game Board. D Diplomacy Game Board, okay. So we'll see what the computer thinks when you say Diplomacy Game Board. Oh. Kind yeah. of. Kind of. Kind of. It's, it's, it's... Oh, here are the fucking ads. Isn't that interesting? So this is random things. Random board. Mostly like square regions. So you're still going on your... Here we are. Oh, here we are. So what's so, your one there? I've got... French invasion of Germany supported by English fleets in Denmark. Okay. Oh, isn't that interesting? So... Lots of black and white sepia type of... Definitely... Well, this, this one's under... This one's... What? This one's under steam, but it also has... <laughs> so it's this one. So this... So you've got... <laughs> so some of these you've got like old old school like um what's this type of classic class is, that a, is that a frigate like with yeah a, like with a frigate with sails, sails and then one of the one of them has like smoke coming out of the top of the As the, a, the a, mast a chimney. <laughs> and then this one here is like a proper like a world war one world war two frigate but it's still, it's got, still like, got sails <laughs> well i wonder what that's referencing the french uh, and I've put in here, so here's one here, an England, England, French, Bouts in Belgium. And oh, I've got soccer players. A whole heap of soccer players <laughs> is just belting into each other. Thank you. Maybe two plates would be good. Maybe two plates would be good. How do you say that, sorry? Salty Puppets. Puppets? Yeah, Salty Puppets. Salty Puppets. Okay, cool. <laughs> now you know. Oh, I'm going to try one more. I'm going to try. Um, how about? Alright, there we go. If you need Thank me to uh, reset that for the recording, I can uh, <coughs> just. Uh, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you searching for now? Or oh, I was just trying to think of something I could connect to. Um, So, okay, Mamluk invasion of the Mediterranean. Spelling it wrong. The, the Mamluk or Mediterranean? Mediterranean. I can never spell Mediterranean right. Yeah, um, of the Mediterranean basin resulting. It says basis instead of basin. Basin resulting in a Christian bloodbath. Right. Okay. So whilst you're waiting for that one, the other thing you can do is you can kind of put in the style of image that you want. So you can put in like colour photograph 
or you know artwork or watercolor. Okay. Oh, so how do I do that? Well, you just add it at the end, but then you have to start all over again. So I've just put one here, which is like Great War Leaders Playing Diplomacy Board Game Sepia Photograph. Ooh. Well, I'm um, kind of like um, Winston Churchill and is that Stalin? Is it Stalin? I don't know, their faces are all mangled up. They're mangled up, but definitely looks like um, World War Two Leaders, World War One. So anyway, lots of fun for the whole family. It's interesting to see where the technology goes. It'll be interesting to see what the um, the Dali. Oh, the quality should be a lot better. Looks like, yeah. Oh, I've got some good ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mamluk invasion of the Mediterranean basin resulting in a Christian bloodbath. This one's giving me a map. Got a map? It actually looks like it's... Oh, is that, that's kind of like, that's the Red Sea, and that looks like a bit of, I don't know what that is. Yeah, so your first glance, it kind of looked like the Italian peninsula, the Mediterranean, the, but that... Maybe it is, oh, but I don't know. Anyway, well, that's strange. next one. Yeah. Um, okay, this one looks like a, look at that horse. Wow. <laughs> it's got eight legs. <laughs> eight legs and no body and no rider. <laughs> oh, that's a beast. But it has a lance. Mm. There was another one I thought was fun. These look quite good. Oh, that's cool. It actually looks like proper art. But none of the none of the figures actually make sense. No. There's no arms. It looks good. Oh, that. Oh, got a castle in the background. There's a death scene there. It's got some gobbledygook type right. No, that's a freeze at the bottom. Hopefully the wind Do stops we... not getting, picking up too much noise from the wind. I reckon we could probably are at the moment. Should we move it, we move it across? Yeah. Just step around like this. Oh, fuck, it's terrible. Oh, we don't, like, move it. Like so we like have to that. talk like that. <laughs> Anyway. anyway, that's cool. Now, do I recognise that as a horse because that's what I know I want to be looking for? Like, if you actually look at some of these shapes... Okay, yeah, that's recognisably a horse with five legs, but... If you didn't know it was a horse... Because you've seen that, that sort like of a massive board there. style of wall paintings, you know... Yeah. Would you know what it is that you were looking at? Isn't that interesting? I like this. This is cool. So, why'd you pick a Mamluk invasion at the moment, Kainer of all things? Um, well, probably what came to mind was that I'm in a Europa Urenabazio game. Yep. And that was one of the players that CD'd in the first couple of the rounds. The only player that CD'd, I believe. Yeah. So, the, um, Obviously, again, for those who um, aren't necessarily history nerds, the Mamluks were a rulers of Egypt for during what the period of time during the middle eight, the medieval period. They fought off the Mongols. Wow, geez, they're pretty bitching. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, but so this player CD. CD. Now. 
I know you're not in this game. Yeah, be great. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic, thank you. Now, I know you're in the habit of doing a little bit of CD stalking, and yep. I do know you're keeping an eye on this game. Yep. I was so I was wondering this if, game. If, if this was, if you ended up picking up that particular... Well, first off, Kana, this is an anonymous game. So if I picked up that, that particular player, it would be incredibly improper for me to share that information with you. True. I shouldn't have been asking. So you shouldn't have been asking me that. Naughty, naughty. However, <laughs> I did not pick up the game because despite my best efforts to know that the game was coming up to like its spring 901 likely CD of like that many CDs. players, yeah. I went on. It was available. And I got distracted for a moment mm -hmm. came back maybe two three minutes later yes click join gone not available no, no positions available someone beat you some, at the hip, hip post some bastard beat me to it and i was looking forward to playing marmalukes because i've never played marmalukes before because uh -huh. on that particular europa renovatio map you've got access obviously to the mediterranean and north africa and the levant but the way the map works for the connections with the Red Sea, and you know this, I'm talking for the listeners, yep. for the Red Sea, it allows you to kind of basically circumnavigate the bottom of uh, Africa. Africa and yep. come around around the Morocco area or Atlantic. So Fun and games. It's one of those powers that can influence multiple parts of the board. It very rarely just gets and killed. It kind of it generally goes does towards reasonably the well. Yeah. I'm unsure why that is, whether or not Kora Kualu, that, that nomadic tribe to the northeast of it, just doesn't attack it straight out, or the Ottomans just don't engage because of the concentration of supply centres in the Genoa location. It's just really difficult to pick why it is that That's a really good question. Um, it's because Tunis just usually gets entangled in a northern slash western battle and doesn't just a quick look at the map when it's the starting positions so that's actually a really good question because um, normally you find coral coral looters usually reasonably well oh, it hangs around for a while qq yeah it doesn't or the ottomans it just depends yeah it's usually one or the other it's one of those two so oh yeah yeah so you actually as the marmalus you also have the levant mm. I was just wondering whether Mamluk was actually more based in Egypt per se and there was lots of vacant stuff here and whether there was an opportunity to throw in a fake dodgy power but yeah I've, I've been through a few of these Mamluks does well in the south Ottoman either goes awesome or it just dies in the arse pretty quick it's one of those ones like Austria you either do really well at it or yeah. you're, you're fucked and if everyone attacks you, there's nothing you can do. Um, Sweden does remarkably well. It does. It, does, it doesn't get killed me. off. Because yeah. Norway tends to get smashed by Sweden or England or Scotland. Mm. Sweden just doesn't seem to. Maybe because that Finland acts as the buffer that buys time for other issues to break out in the Russian area right. and for Norway and to butt heads with 
someone down in Germany. It doesn't necessarily. Oh, not Germany, Denmark. Yeah. Or, you know, England. You can pick its fights as opposed to some other countries which are more restricted in who they have to fight. Mm. I'm surprised France doesn't generally go better in those ones. Yeah, the French opening positions isn't brilliant, for starters. And you've got Burgundy, which tends to consume a fair amount of time straight up. Burgundy usually gets killed off. Plus, you've also got the usual dynamic going on with England, with its access to the English Channel. But you've also got random English set not random, historically accurate English centres in um, uh, Port... Not Port Aragon. Aragon. Yep. Not Aragon. Bordeaux. Oh, fuck, what's that bit that, um... Fuck, what's it called? The southwest of France. Uh, Aquitaine. Hmm. You started with A. Although, actually, I don't think you've actually... That's notionally held by... Oh, yeah, and Normandy. But the only, only English centre that opens up with actually a unit is Normandy. So Maine and Aquitaine are vacant, notionally owned spots that contribute towards the count. I guess you've also got some hungry, hungry smaller countries to your east. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you've got, you got the uh, Savoy, got Switzerland, Genoa, Papacy, Milan, all probably be... The whole centre of your gets all really busy very, very fast. England gets drawn into that. Mm. Still one of my favourite maps. Mm. Still really enjoying it. Did you see actually on, on the forum at VDIP there was yeah. that conversation around people's favourite variants? I posted mine. I don't think I posted mine. What are your favourite four? Favourite four? Four or five? I mean, can you choose? I don't want to restrict you. What are your favourites? Uh, look, I like different different variants for different reasons. Um, I do like Europa Renovatio, both because of its mega size, yep. its relative historical accuracy, its relative balance. Generally speaking, we've picked up a few things there that aren't quite right. Um, I like Atlantic colonies only because it's just so aesthetically beautiful and beautiful. And there's also that rare time you've got like a four-player game that's relatively balanced. I forgot about the, um, the Atlantic variant. Yeah, Atlantic one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I of, of all my creations or, or participation in creations, I I like ten sixty six because of its complexity of rules with the fog of war and yeah. your um, Hadrian's you know, wall, Hadrian's wall, and all that type of shit. And standing the, neutrals, doing the uh, capitals and the yeah. capital rules. Yeah. So yeah. I like that. Um, Yeah, look, they're the th- they're three that spring to mind particularly that I, I enjoy. Um, but look, I like a good I like a good good game regardless. There's certain ones that are like I think actually we talked the other last time around one of the games you you said that you won on. And I, was, I said oh yeah I'll join in on. Was that the was that the Germany game 1648? Oh yeah, that yeah, that's one of my favourites too. I totally can miss that one. Yeah, I will start a game of that. Yeah, after I'm when, when working out, I was telling you if I'm doing work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely jump down to make one of those. It's, yeah, send a PM on that. Um, okay, well, my top choices and 
1648 would be one I, that would be up there as well. And I did forget about the Atlantic Colonies one. Um, but Greek Diplomacy, have you played that one? Uh, I have, and I know that one, the bidding thing. Yeah, you've always liked that. I do like that. I think that's a really fun mechanic that allows for um, really unique... It makes every game absolutely unique in its starting starting points. So that was... I do like that one. I like Known World 901. I know that's not one of your favourites. Not because... Uh, Look, (laughs) I, I, I like the game. I'm just shit at it. So, obviously, I haven't worked out, I haven't cracked that puzzle yet. Mm. Maybe I need to play the puzzle one more time so I can crack it. Oh, that's a crack in your resolve. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I haven't haven't played it again yet. You were involved with that um, one where you get to play every single... Yeah, all 15. I think I was one of the only few people actually hung around for all 15 countries and never... Did better than drawing in one, which was like way too many people drawing and shouldn't have drawn anyway. Renascimento is one of my faves. I do like Renascimento. It's um, an oldie but a real goodie. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's totally unbalanced, but I, uh, I, it definitely does appeal. <laughs> I agree with yeah. I like the USA one because it's a simple change to the map. Yep. And, well, it's not a war without the USA, of course. Absolutely true. Um, I like the Sea Lanes version of World War Four. I agree with you. That's very, very fun. Um, and I think that Zeus Five, I think, just doesn't get enough love from the community. Is that the one that's no like literally everything's all the same? No. I think you're five no, no, no. Let me. It, it's it's a view of the world, but you're looking at it as if you were looking from Mount Olympus down and Olympus is over the North Pole and it's spread out in that fashion um, over Europe. Let's pull it up. Um, and I must admit, all, all those various I've talked about, they're the ones that spring to mind on VDIP. There's been a few that I've played as special forum games or whatever over in Playdip and others yeah. that I've equally enjoyed as much, but I've only played them once. And... Um, yeah, could probably deal with, with definitely not deal with. I'd be happy to play them again. Like for example, I remember when we talked to Baron von Powell around the um, uh, what was it called? The Cardinals of the, of the Cardinals and Popes. Yeah, whatever that was called. But that was had an awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun to play. Yeah. With, with main powers and minor powers. And yeah. Anyway, go back and have a look at our uh, our, um, our uh, interview with Baron von Powell about that one. Oh yeah, it's just like yeah, oh that's weird looking. So that is like is that that's as balanced as things can be, but just looking weird. Well, that's that's North America. Yeah, looks weird. Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just it's just exp- it's just expanded weird. People don't. It's got an interesting so, rule around. It's kind of like the way the Cold War map looks. Yeah. But even more deconstructed into slightly amorphic shapes. Amorphic shapes, yeah. yes, lovely word. Anyway, it's uh, 
know. I've, I've had fun playing at it. I've never done well at it, but I think it's a, a map that deserves a bit more love. Love. Very good. They're mine. The question was map variants, not rule change variants. Oh, yeah. If you had a rule change variant that didn't affect the map, Fog of War would definitely be up there as a, oh, yeah. as yep. a real favourite variant. Um, the transform option. Yep. Really enjoy that. I think that adds a whole new dynamic to, to most games. Um, I think some of those games like 1898, where you start with just one yes. army. And that would be a good one to play again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the supply centers you control at the end of. 1901 is full stop, that's all you've got, kind of thing. So I think those rule variant changes are they're just equally as fun. Like there's a lot of things said about just changing a simple aspect of the rules. So um, the only other one I mentioned that I, that I kind of created, which I think now in hindsight I quite like, not because there's any rule change, but I just like the alternate history element, and I think is American conflict which is the civil war, and I say civil war, but with the European powers also being involved. Yeah. So England obviously having its main holdings in um, Canada, but also in Jamaica. Um, the French around the same, actually exactly during the middle of the civil war, I'm sure some of the American super know this, or maybe not, the French basically had invaded and taken over Spain of all places. Um, and then of course, back then, the Russians still owned Alaska. Oh, right. And yeah, then you've also good. got, you know, to, to kind of help create some balance there, you've also got a whole heap of different home ports. So, like within Vladivostok uh, uh, and uh, Sebastopol, Archangel, and, you know, Southampton, and Calais, or somewhere like that, and, you know, Cadiz. So you've got these, these European powers where you can't actually take over their countries as America or whatever, but you can blockade the port, which effectively does the same thing. Stops it from being in use. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So that's always interesting. And I do like that one because I've played... It is... People have pointed out that it's very hard for Spain and Russia to win, but I've played as all five players and won as all five players. So, oh, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, right. So, so um, yeah. it can be done. It can be done. And I do love just like the whole idea of what would happen if the European powers got involved during the middle of the Civil War and how would it, the whole continent have been very different. Yeah, because France still had holdings. No, 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 it wasn't said. Already. Yeah, yeah, French yeah. had all of Mexico. Right, yeah. French had Mexico. Yep. Did they? Yep. In the Civil War. During that time, the uh, Mexican government defaulted on its debt, yeah. and a um, a, a, um, a joint al alliance of French, English, and I think maybe even Austrian forces were sent over. Huh. And literally back then, it's like, well, you haven't paid your debt, so this you had to pay. Ours. So this is now our country. <laughs> and they installed 
the Habsburg Emperor's brother, Maximilian, as the Emperor of Mexico. That's how that happened. Oh. He was like a puppet. Yeah. I did not know. Now I know. There we go. And now you need another glass. We should probably wrap it up though first, shouldn't we? And then we'll move on to our Patreon recording. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, okay. Alright. Well, ladies and gents, thank you very much for listening. I'm Big Kana. I'm Andy. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. As always, um, leave a like and drop a message. All of those things. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye.